Welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. Carrying on the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, we have now expanded our community to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Now, here are your podcast hosts, your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team. listeners. Welcome to yet another encouraging and entertaining episode of the Mission Mill Spouse podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. It's almost hard to believe, but this is episode 1006. I'm Amanda Bickneys, your Director of Empowerment, and I'm grateful you chose to join us today. Have your headphones in and your volume turned up. Let's get ready for your weekly lineup of military life empowerment. On today's show, we'll listen to an interview conducted by Deputy Director of Podcast Production, Callie Bunter, as she chats with Manda Lynn McVeigh about resilience redefined, embracing the holistic path versus the suck it up mentality. Hello, Mission Mills Files listeners. I'm Jade Fusaro, Director of Social Media. We're thrilled and grateful to continue this 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, now rebranded and expanded to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. That's right. You have a seat at our mill spouse table. So pull up your chair and let's grab and get ready for this conversation to be started. As an all-volunteer-powered 501c3 organization, we invite individuals and businesses to support us in our mission, helping military spouses to feel confident and empowered in this military life. Please visit missionmillspouse.org to contribute or email partner at missionmillspouse.org to discuss our extensive partnership program. Thank you so much for your support. And before we get any further with today's show, I am so excited to catch up with you, Jade. So what is written in pencil on your mill spouse calendar this week? All right. So there's, there's been a lot going on in the Fusaro household. So (laughs) I I know, seriously, we've been traveling the last like few weeks. We've been in like Marco Island. We just got back from Mexico from a wedding like three days ago. And now this week, our family flies down into town tonight and we're heading down to the Florida Keys. So we're just trying to get like that last hoorah of like we're living down in Miami, trying to like see the landscape. And like our last duty station, we didn't really get to do all the things. And I reflect back and I'm like, why didn't I ever go to the sand dunes? And why didn't I do this? And it's because we worked way too much. So... Mm-hmm you know, this duty time and this station, I was like, you know what? We're not having those regrets. So we're just out there. We're just doing it. So it's going to be a fun week. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to see some family too. So I love what about that. you? Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, lots, lots has been going on for, for me as well. Um, not the exciting stuff though, <laughs> mostly no. trying to balance the chaos of, you know, back to school for my daughter. She's well, she's in kindergarten now, um, it. and then, um, yeah, just tackling, um, a deployment right now and trying to stay sane through it all. 
So, um, well, and with that being said, this actually, this season of life um, that I'm going through right now is just a little bit too hectic. So this will be my very last um, podcast show with Mission Mill Spouse. Um, it's so bittersweet because I know that right now it is time for me to just step away and you know, kind of focus on, on staying sane really. Um, and getting through the day to day. Um, but I'm so glad to have, you know, my mission mill spouse family. I'll still be, um, touching base with all of you guys. And so, yeah, this is like a bittersweet episode for me. Oh my um, gosh. What the <laughs> heck? I didn't know. Yeah. So I uh, love that for you though. I really love that for you. And I like that you're like, taking that time to pull back and focus on yourself, your family, and, you know, just doing your thing, you know, yes. you can always come back, but you can't, uh, you know, you can't just can't pull yourself down. You got to lift yourself back up and you're doing it. So I love that for you. Thank you. I, yeah, I've definitely as a former teacher and a mom and just a hard worker in general, I always, um, kind of put too much on my plate and I know that it leads to burnout really fast. And yeah, and you wear, you wear all those freaking hats, girl. Oh my gosh. The hats of everyone. Yes. And you're the same. So be careful. But, um, I know, (laughs) and, and for all the listeners out there, like, Truly start to know the signs before you reach burnout. You don't want to get there. It gets really bad. Um, And we got to take care of ourselves, which is why this is just um, the perfect episode, really, because um, I don't want to live in the suck it up mentality. I want to take care of my my health and wellness. So perfect. (laughs) I love that. And that's exactly true. This is the perfect send out episode. And I'm excited to um, share it with you, my friend. So thank you. You're welcome. Our command team convos, as always, Amanda, are always such a great way to experience the solidarity that so many of us desire. It feels so good to chat with um, others who just get it. And like you and me, the burnout crew, we get it. (laughs) So now let's focus on this week's main interview where we're going to take all the energy and all the stuff with Amanda Lynn McVeigh about resilience redefined, embracing the holistic path versus suck it up mentality. Mission Mill Spouse, formerly known as Army Wife Network, is continuing our exceptional and long-standing legacy. Now serving all spouses of all branches, we are the longest-running military spouse podcast currently broadcasting our 18th season. In fact, we will break 1,000 episodes in 2023. Don't miss an installment. Subscribe on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or catch our twice-weekly podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcast, Google Play, or Spotify. Remember, we've been there. You aren't alone. We've got your six. Welcome Mission Mill Spouse podcast listeners. I'm Callie Bunter, your Deputy Director of Podcast Production here at Mission Mill Spouse. And I'm excited to bring you today's episode full of information to empower and enlighten you. Today's guest is Mandalyn McVeigh, a holistic nutrition wellness practitioner, master resilience trainer, writer, community builder, and even our director of podcast production here at Mission Mill Spouse. 
Manda is the wife of an active duty soldier and advocate for military community wellness who focuses on guiding fellow military spouses in an overcoming the overwhelm that accompanies military life. She was named 2022 Armed Forces Insurance Fort Polk, now Fort Johnson, Spouse of the Year, and has been recognized by multiple organizations for her contributions to the betterment of the military community. Manda, welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Thanks, Sally. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, and it's it's awesome that you're my first interview and that we know each other outside of Mission Mill Spouse. Yes, I agree. I think it's fun. So let's get started. Um, what is Wellzillions? Wellzillions is a word that I have coined of my own that really reinforces the concept that wellness and resilience go hand in hand. If you're not mentally well, physically well, spiritually well, by whatever spirituality means to you, you can't have proper resilience. You can't really bounce back in a full and ready fashion when life throws you curveballs. And likewise, if you're not able to bend when the wind blows and come back and learn from those situations, then and you're constantly just getting buried under the stress because sometimes that does happen, you have to take a step back and start being able to bounce back from those situations again, which will in turn build your wellness because you will start to feel, you know, the mental health effects of not being able to recover from those situations. If there's too many happening, you will start to feel the physical effects and it just kind of they snowball. If one goes out of hand, the other goes out of hand almost immediately. So you really have to keep a very careful balance. So that's why I chose to integrate the words together because as I'm sure you'll probably agree and most of our listeners will as well, saying the word resilience in the military community is pretty much a surefire way to get a door shut in your face. (laughs) Oh, most definitely. I know when I worked with Red Cross, we would preach resilience, working with all these different programs that the Red Cross offers to military families. And it was like, anytime I said the word resilience, I literally got an eye roll. (laughs) Yeah. And wellness too. I mean, you know, I think even before the pandemic, but especially since the pandemic, the word or the phrase wellness and self-care have kind of been thrown out of whack by a lot of influencers on social media that don't really understand what true self-care is. You know, true self-care is actually calling in sick when you're sick. True self-care is making an appointment to speak to a therapist to deal with some trauma. Like, (laughs) yes, getting a pedicure or a manicure is a version of self-care, but it's just one of the very small steps of like personal hygiene care that is self-care. Taking care of our bodies, that's the self-care aspect of it, not like getting your nails done, that in and of itself is not self-care, especially if you're like answering all your work emails and things while you're getting your toes done on your cell phone, because you're still working. You're not taking a step back and focusing on yourself. So I really wanted to bring my coaching skills and my knowledge to people in a way that seemed accessible and new and wanted to make them interested in it instead of hearing the same old, same old all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Why did you find it necessary to come up with a new term for your style of coaching? 
as I said, you know, a lot of people are just done hearing the words wellness and the word, you know, resilience. And I think that being a person that has multiple autoimmune disorders myself and learning how to heal myself by using food and natural remedies like massage and acupuncture and these different things that are holistic, it was really important for me to find a way to make holistic wellness sound approachable because a lot of people think that when you're telling them holistic, it's just like, stop taking all the medications you're on. Don't ever see a doctor again. We're going to come over here. We're going to do some yoga. We're going to chant. We're going to take all these herbs. And that's not what it is. It can be if you want it to be, <laughs> you know, but it's it's kind of like one of those to each his own. And I really believe in a fully integrated East meets West system, you know, medications when they're necessary, maybe you're going through an illness where you need medications to treat the symptoms, but the root cause is something that we can treat holistically and maybe eradicate eventually where you don't need those medications anymore. Like I work hand in hand with people's doctors and you know, encourage them to speak to nutritionists and dietitians and personal trainers and every, you know, their, their priests or their rabbis or whatever religion they believe in, their spiritual leader to really focus on themselves and just be able to build a whole well-rounded human in order to be strong in the face of adversity. And what kind of background or experience do you have that sets you apart from other coaches? Um, because we see coaches, all, we see all different types of coaches. Um, you, everybody, it, it almost seems that every other person is a coach nowadays. I agree. I agree. Um, one of my things is a lot of pe people think that I'm a health coach, which I'm not. Health coaches, there's nothing wrong with health coaches. I have a health coach myself. And uh, they really help you like get yourself on track and like hold you accountable for what you're trying to do to get on your wellness journey. What I do is I was in a three-year program. So it's basically like a bachelor's degree without all of the extras. You know, I didn't have to have any electives. I just did the program and they teach us about nutrition. I, I have the same nutrition schooling that most people with a bachelor's in nutrition have. I have the same school books as like my friends that are going to school for their bachelor's in nutrition. I also have a yoga, yoga teacher certification, a meditation instructor certification. During my schooling um, to become a nutrition wellness practitioner, I be became certified as a behavior change specialist as well. So I can really help people identify behaviors that they have that are kind of getting in their own way of progressing on their journeys and how to shift those behaviors. I don't I don't like to say break bad habits because habits aren't necessarily bad. They may be just old because we're used to them and maybe we need a new habit to move forward in life. So I really like to just shift old habits into new habits or, you know, change it up. Maybe instead of going for a walk around the same neighborhood all the time, they need to go to a park that's got a little more landscape and just take their walk there for the same amount of time. And they might see a huge change in that kind of a thing, just little shifts here and there. And I really focus on getting people to just really kind of reflect inwards. And I try to let my clients really lead their own path. Um, we do a lot of worksheets and things uh, where we 
evaluate different categories of our life. One of them is the wheel of balance. One of them is a chart of values. And we just categorize different things like our finances, our saving and our spending, our spirituality. Um, you know, do I practice outside of church? Do I practice inside of church? Am I doing Bible study? Different levels of those. And we try to see where the, on a scale of zero to 10, like where the lowest numbers are, where the highest numbers are. A lot of the time people think that they're trying to, or they need to focus on a specific area. Uh, for example, with myself, I often think that I need to focus on my stress management, but then whenever I do my wheel of balance, it almost always comes back to my spirituality. I let my spirituality fall to the wayside quite often when I'm focusing on other things in life. And it's almost always down at zero when I do my wheel of balance. So I shift back and I start focusing on my spirituality again. And then I start to feel better as a whole person again. And it makes it easier for me to do my work-life balance and many other things that I thought I was doing pretty well to begin with, or that I maybe needed to focus on when that wasn't actually where I needed to focus at. So I think just the grand scope of the way that I approach my clients and coaching practice really sets me apart from a lot of other coaches that have a very fine-tune, you know, like uh, mother of toddlers kind of scope of practice where I'm here for anybody in the military community. I do scholarships all the time for military spouses. Most of my clients have actually been active duty service members, ironically enough, when that's not even who my demographic was. And uh, yeah, so I just, I'm here for everybody and I have a great, great broad spectrum and scope of practice compared to a lot of other coaches that you might encounter. And why is community building so important to you? Community building, I think, helps kind of with the wellness and the resilience. You know, if you're if you're struggling to find your community somewhere, like I was at my last installation, uh, you know, you have to get creative with it. And believe me, I got creative. I took to the internet, I took to social media, and I started reaching out to all of my long distance pals and just making, you know, coffee dates on Zoom and building a network of people that I knew were there that I could talk to when I had challenges because I didn't really feel supported at our last duty station by the community locally. I think for everybody, especially military families, you know, quite often we're not anywhere near a single person that we know when we get where we're going, when we change duty stations, and we're not near any family. And so we've pretty much got ourselves our spouse, and children if you have them, and that's it. While that's great, in order to feel supported and you know have a network that can come in and help pick you up when you fall or when your family faces challenges, it's really important to have people outside of the home that are part of your network because if you and your spouse are going through it together, like you know one of your parents passes away or something, that person isn't necessarily going to be mentally capable of hearing you talk about your challenges with dealing with it. So to have a friend, you know, maybe it's not something so drastic that you need to talk to your therapist about this, but you're just having a hard minute. You can pick up a phone or you can go down the street and, you know, talk to your neighbor that you've become friends with. They can also, you know, maybe take the kids and let you and your spouse just have a date night so that you can just hang out and 
not have to deal with the kids or something. Having a network for anybody in any community, but especially in military, is just, I think, one of the most vital things in life. And I've learned that before I was a military spouse, I worked seasonally a lot of the time. And so I was often new and often didn't have a network and went through many challenges on my own. And I always weathered those storms better when I had at least one person that I could call a friend wherever I was. And the more people I had, the better that it seemed that I made it through on the other side. And is that what spurred you to get involved in the military community the way you have your experiences as a seasonal employee and the community that is so important to you as a military spouse? You know, I think it really did. Um, When I first started dating my husband, we were living in Kentucky and he was working as a recruiter and the community there was so overwhelmingly supportive of the military, ironically, because we were nowhere near a military installation. Um, (laughs) Owensboro, Kentucky, they have the number one largest Veterans Day parade in the country. Side note, Um, that's how supportive they are. (laughs) But they just welcomed us. You know, they supported us when we would have, like, if I would be sick, there would be people just coming by and checking on me randomly throughout the day and people calling and, you know, sending Facebook messages, sending us, you know, different like gift cards to places. And this was like people that we met at the American Legion. You know, this wasn't even other recruiter families or anything. It was literally the community. And it really, I think that experience really impacted, I guess, kind of just reiterated for me how important the value of community was. Because when I lived in Alaska as a seasonal employee, you know, for a good long time, I had a very large network there and people started leaving one by one and my network kept getting smaller and smaller. And I went through some very challenging times as my network was shrinking and it almost became unbearable. And then I moved away from there and I built a new network and those people helped me to overcome that sorrow and sadness that I had been experiencing while I was in Alaska. Then, you know, a few years passed and that's when Ron and I started dating and moved to Kentucky and I was there all alone again, you know, quote unquote, all alone. It was just me and Ron and our kiddos. I really just felt like the community was just like hugging me and supporting me and holding me all the time. And when my father passed away while we were there, they just stepped in and did everything they could to help while I was dealing with some severe depression. You know, they would come take Ella for go to the park for a couple hours and things. It just really spurred me when we moved to the next duty station during COVID, you know, if we got there right before COVID happened, that community is really important. And a lot of people were dealing with some very hard times besides dealing with a pandemic that, you know, their family was just going through things, but they couldn't even like go over to their friends' houses because of the pandemic. And so I really kind of got on the train of helping those people to be able to build a community in the best way that was safest for everybody involved. And that's how I got really involved on the internet and met so many people, so many military spouses that way. And then, uh, yeah, I just, it felt like the right thing to do to help other people find their people. Amanda, thank you for sharing your story and your viewpoint on resilience through a holistic lens. It sounds like you've put a lot of time into your practice to be able to set yourself apart and to help build a stronger community. 
Listeners, if you would like to hear more about Mandolin and her practice, you can find her at her social media handlers at the Helitary Spouse. That's H-E-A-L-I-T-A-R-Y. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Manda to learn more about how she uses her background as a holistic wellness practitioner to better the military community. Our mission is to globally empower military spouses with resources and support to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Whether you are an individual, a Fortune 500 company, or somewhere in between, join us on our mission. Make your tax-deductible contribution at missionmillspouse.org, or if you're a business interested in sharing your product or services with our more than 100,000 followers, email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Military spouses around the world, thank you for your support. Welcome back, listeners. We're continuing our conversation with holistic nutrition wellness practitioner, Manda Lynn McVeigh. Let's jump back into this conversation. Manda, how important is community and how can a military spouse find, build, or create one, especially if they feel disconnected at their current duty station? I know you mentioned earlier that you you struggled with your last duty station with being disconnected from your community. Yeah, so our last duty station, uh, there were a lot of senior NCOs and officers there. So everybody was kind of just, you know, doing their own jam. And so it was kind of hard to fit into the community. I think I didn't have a lot of things in common with a lot of the other people in the community. And it was, I did find when I would try, it was a little clicky uh, on the occasions that I experienced. So what I did, as I mentioned before, was I really just dug deep into my, like my phone book and my social media contacts of people that I have built, you know, friendships with over the years and reached out to other military spouses that I know from previous duty stations and would just say, hey, you know, I'm feeling really like I've got nothing going on over here. And I would just love to see your face on a Zoom call and chat and catch up and hear about what your life is like now, because we haven't talked in six months or whatever. And I actually got to learn a lot about a lot of people that I had befriended before that I had never learned these things about them before. And it made me see people in a whole new light. So it's actually kind of fun because when you dedicate time to just reaching out to people purposefully to say, I would love to hear how your life is going. Even if it's, you're having a hard time, like I'm here for you. You can totally spill it all to me. I don't care. I just would love to talk to somebody. People really respond in a positive fashion to that for the most part. And either, you know, maybe you end up having to reschedule or cancel or whatever, but more than likely you're going to be able to connect with that person, even if it changes from a Zoom call to just a phone call or something and, or an email or text chain back and forth all day because one of their kids is sick and they don't want to say things out loud in front of them or whatever. But it really, you know, like it really encourages people to, I think, dig deep and open up because 
maybe they weren't expecting to hear from you ever again, or definitely not like within this time frame or something. And you just let them know that you care about them and what's going on in their life. And then, so they give it back to you. You know, it's, it's kind of like that thing of like, if you love somebody unconditionally, hopefully they're loving you unconditionally back. And that's basically what friendships are, right? And what community building is, is seeing people and not judging them and just supporting them when they're having challenges. That's, that's absolutely amazing because I know that in, in our, in our personal friendship, that's one thing that I really value is if I need a place to just unload, I can all, like, I know I'll send you multiple text threads, just unloading stress on, on you. And that's absolutely. one thing that means the most to me in our personal friendship. Um, and that kind of, and also that kind of creates a bit of a flexibility um, because with phone calls, everybody has busy lives. Um, so how important is it to create a flexible routine? And what does that, what does that mean in your Wellsilience plan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's something that I discovered, like, I'd say when Ella was two, maybe three, is I have always, always, always lived by a very particular schedule. It doesn't, it, it hasn't always been the same schedule in my life. It's just been based around, you know, my work and how much time I need in the morning to get ready. And then I go to work and I do this thing and then I get done with work and I come home and I make my dinner and, you know, just your daily routine kind of thing. I know how much time it takes me to do each of those things. Obviously that changed when I had a child and I didn't expect it not to, but something that I learned you know, I had a lot of people telling me because I would say like, oh, we have challenges getting, she slept like an angel for the first two and a half years of her life. And then all of a sudden she was having trouble sleeping. And I had all these people telling me like, oh, you just need to make sure she's got a really good routine. It'll help her, blah, 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 blah. And then I found out that she had sensory and auditory processing differences and that she's got ADD and she's likely autistic. It's like a back and forth. They're not quite sure if she is or she isn't. But because of all of these sensory challenges that she faces, a routine is not necessarily going to work for her every day. We do our best to keep a strict routine and a strict time schedule, but sometimes her little body is just exhausted and she needs to sleep more. So instead of saying up at eight o'clock, we do this after that. And then we have breakfast at, at this time, exactly at 845, you know, and setting everything by time. What I do, and I do, this is great too. Like this is a great tip for when you're traveling as well, right? Whatever your routine is, you can even have a checklist of the things that you do in that routine. Just remember that they can always shift, you know, maybe Normally, the routine is wake up, brush our teeth, go to the bathroom, drink some water, and then have breakfast. And for whatever reason, she slept extra late today, and she doesn't feel like brushing her teeth before breakfast. So as long as everything on that checklist gets checked off before she leaves to go to school, I don't care if she brushes her teeth last thing before she walks out the door. And same when I'm traveling or same with my own life, you know, it's really important to not get focused on the exact time of day that certain things have to happen. I mean, obviously, if you have to be at a job, you have to be out the door at a certain time or get your kids to school. But the things that can flex, just let them flex. Don't 
get yourself so pigeonholed, you know, like I used to really get anxiety about it. If something didn't go when I thought it was supposed to go, I learned that I can't do that. I have a child with special needs and sometimes her needs are going to outweigh the order in which I think things ought to happen. And I need to let her do things in her own time so that she doesn't feel like she's failing when all she's doing is struggling. And I'm just supposed to be there to support her and help her struggle the least that she can. Flexing is like my biggest thing. I think that I try to get my clients and even my friends that are, you know, talking about challenges with their kids and their schedules and things to lean into. If there is something that can happen at a different time or that maybe doesn't have to happen at all, just let it go. Like, let it slide down the line or let it get skipped over today. We can do it later or do it tomorrow. That's wonderful. I know, I know that's something that I struggle with in my, in my household is being flexible. Um, but we know that you've been on podcasts, TV, radio, and spoken at different conferences. Um, as we wrap up, is there, is there any other way that you get your advice out to the community? Um, what other outlets can they find you at? Actually, a Mission Mill Spouse blogger. And I have a monthly blog spot that I write about resilience and well-zillions, I guess. Sometimes it's, you know, tips about PCSing and different challenges that I encountered and how I use those to like learn from and like build something better out of the experience. Uh, or other times it's, you know, tips for getting your kids. Uh, again, like I think I wrote a piece, if I remember correctly, about using routines that are flexible when you're traveling. One of my best tips for, you know, PCSing is maintaining routines, but being flexible with them. And uh, I also uh, have just recently written an article about using cuisine to build community and culture. Um, in Military Families Magazine. And I believe next month is when the Military Spouse Magazine issue is coming out that I've written a piece in as well. Oh, that, that's amazing. And as we wrap up, one question that we ask all of our guests is this, what is one piece of advice that you would give our listeners to navigate this military life with respect to your area of expertise? I think the one thing that I would say the most, and cliche as it might sound, but it is you can't care for others if you don't care for yourself. And I say this from a place of reminding myself because I need to hear it almost daily. As a practitioner, I am constantly trying to teach others how to care for themselves and I am pouring my heart into my practice, taking care of my clients, taking care of my family, and I often forget to take care of me until I'm at a burnout stage and I'm sick in bed for a week. Don't forget that old saying that I'm sure we've all heard enough times to not want to hear it again, but you can't pour from an empty cup. Find what fills your cup. Do what makes you happy. Remember something that you used to do when you were little. <laughs> <laughs> that just overjoyed you and see if you can do it again and enjoy it just as much. And just remember that even though 
there's other people to take care of, you're always number one. So self-care, genuine self-care comes first. And then you'll have all the energy and time and effort to give to other people that you want. Amanda, it has been amazing having you on our show today. And thank you for sharing more about what you do to support and empower our military community. As always, we thank you very much for serving our community and for doing what you can to make sure that all military spouses have an equal spot at the table. Thank you. I really appreciated being on here. And it was serendipitous that I ended up working at Mission Mill Spouse for a little season of life while we're doing this recording. Thank you again to today's guest, Mandalyn McVeigh. We wish her all the best as she worked towards helping the military community overcome the overwhelm and learning about how to interconnect wellness and resilience in our daily lives. And now back to our hosts. Thank you so much to Amanda Lynn McVeigh for joining us on the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Again, if you want to connect with Mandalyn, check her out online via at the Helitary Spouse, which is uh, H-E-A-L-I-T-A-R-Y. All right, Jade, let's recap. What were your top three moments from this interview? Okay, so reflecting back on the interview, my number one, I liked how she defined self-care. Um, I actually never really thought about it in that kind of approach, which I really like the reference of like, is it really self-care if you're getting a pedicure and also working on your phone? Yeah, because I'm always that person that's like taking a bath, but also like on my iPad, like sending an email. So, <laughs> and I'm like, I love self-care. <laughs> so, it's not the I, same. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, maybe next time I take a bath, I'm going to like set the iPad down and like see the difference of like the genuine self-care versus like, you know, the form of like maybe self-care I've been doing. <laughs> right. So I, I actually, I really enjoyed um, that kind of like definition of it, because it really put into perspective, you know, maybe trying something different um, and expanding on the actual, you know, me time. Yeah. My second would be um, power of community. Um, I know I've always struggled with reaching out to people, even like friends and family. Like my mom will be like, what, where have you been? It's been like <laughs> a month. And I'm like, oh, I've just, you know, been working. <laughs> so, um, especially down here in Miami, um, like Amanda had said how she at her last duty station had a hard time. Um, I, when I got to Miami, I had also kind of a difficult time because the community is different. There's really no base. Um, so it actually made me tap into all these different networks because I've never been a person to really hang around military spouses. I've never like done military groups or, you know, we've went to like maybe one or two of like the ball type things. Um, but I've never really like been around, you know, this space before. Um, but for some reason, when we got down here and I felt so secluded, I reached out and joined like the team Southcom. I joined Mission Mill Spouse. And oddly enough, I call my friends and they're like, is this going to change when you go to Salt Lake City? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Is this just Florida, Jade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, I got you guys. I'll text you. So I actually really enjoyed kind of that community aspect because I've clung on to that the last, say, three years. Uh, and I'm grateful that I've joined all these different communities and I've gotten to know like military spouses, been able to like enjoy military families and, you know, just be that friend to my family and to my actual friends. So yeah. um, I really enjoyed that. Oh, and I think that it's just, it is so important. And um, as uh, Amanda Lynn had shared too, she was saying, you know, that she originally started with like just finding the, her power of community through like a virtual setting. And um, that's kind of how it was for me as well, especially with Mission Mill Spouse. I mean, that's when I really was like, oh, the Mill Spouse community is so supportive. And um, I made friends, you know, online who ended up like in real life friends. And um, it really is just so powerful. And I think you'll continue with staying in touch. Um, and keeping it up because it really can give you a sense. Like I know for me now I have that tug when I'm not like touching base with those I'm close with. I'm like, Oh, you know, I have that kind of reminder. Oh yeah. And it's not even like a guilt. It's like, a, Oh, I'm not feeling. At, and as Amanda shared, I'm not feeling like my cup being filled because I'm not chatting with, with my friend enough. And so it in turn like affects me as well. Um, yeah, I love I love those points. And um, I, everything she was saying was so relatable for me, especially where she was talking about her daughter. I've had the same struggles with my daughter. Um, very similar. My daughter, um, she does have some sensory issues. And it was the same sleep thing where like, she slept so beautifully for the first couple of years of her life. And I was like, you know, brushing off my shoulder, like I got this mom thing down. Um, routines, my middle name. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> that stopped. I mean, like full stop. Like, and it just kind of turned into a nightmare. And you start to really question who you are and you beat yourself up. And you're like, how am I failing myself, my family? I mean, you just spiral. Um, and to hear, you know, somebody else going through those same kind of battles, because it does happen. And you really have to be so flexible with um, just kids and routine sometimes, or, you know, people at their jobs. I mean, you just never know what wrenches are going to get thrown your way in life. Um, so this was just, this was so empowering to hear, um, just all about her resilience well, or, or her well-zillience. I love that she's reframed that. Um, Me too. I love that. Yeah. I was like I sitting there and words. I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, so resilience and wellness all together. And then I was thinking about like, you know, the definitions of each, like how she was saying. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is, I like that. Like it's a terminology that, makes sense when you break it all down and it gives like that genuine approach to like wellness and resilience which I had no idea resilience was like a huge military topic and I was like oh I gotta like figure this out but I I loved the well resilience of all of it and I was like I'm yeah. here for this like I need to hop over and well, resilience myself, because this is what I need in life. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Always such good information coming to us from our podcast guests. Let's keep those good vibes going with this week's Resource Recon. We've recently had a blog by one of our expert bloggers, George Banker, all about the Tina Klein plan. Be consistent, insistent, and persistent. Before Tina Klein's career in running, she served as a U.S. Army officer, lieutenant colonel, worked in the U.S. Department of Justice, and represented a significant pharmaceutical specializing in women's health, diabetes, and neuroscience. She earned a degree in biology and communication from Southwest Texas University and a master's in public administration from Troy State University. The following excerpt from the book Grit by Angela Duckworth could have been written about Tina Klein. Talent is how quickly your skills improve when you invest effort. Achievement happens when you take your gained skills and use them. Keep the above in the back of the mind as you read the following and see how Tina improved upon her skills that translated into achievement. There was nothing that was automatic. There was a shift in her mindset. Exercise programs are never easy and require sacrifice such as giving up time with friends or free time. The blog continues with a set of interview questions for Tina on how she shows persistence in her running career and offers advice to those looking to get started. This was such an inspiring and empowering blog post on not only getting started with running, but also improving your health and wellness. Amanda, what were some takeaways for you in this post? I just loved... um... Tina's responses. So there is on the blog post, there's a set of interview questions. And um, reading through them, I was like, oh, wow, this really is so empowering. She recommended um, having an on-site coach to help you in your fitness goals. And when she was talking about um, having the coach, she shared about, you know, of course, having a well-balanced diet but also that her coach had told her um, that because Tina herself has a sweet tooth, which like I also do really badly. <laughs> um, we joke that it like runs in my family, but I think it was just, you know, learned behavior from my childhood. <laughs> um, but her coach said to do 90% healthy and 10% garbage um, for moderation. And that was such a game changer for me to read because I I had never heard that before. And so I was like, oh, I I think I like the word garbage in it. <laughs> because then I'm like, you know what? If I still have that 90% healthy, but I can still have, you know, 10% garbage, that's like when I can have my baked goods and, and all that. Because um, I'm just such like a donut junkie. <laughs> Um, I wish I were not, but yeah, it was just really inspiring in a way of, um, you know, of course we all kind of know about health and wellness and like, I know I should be, you know, I'm saying should all the time of like, I should be exercising and eating better. And so the way that, um, Tina gives her perspective on it, I'm just, um, so grateful for that kind of mindset shift that she's had. And um, George Banker, the 
original blogger of it. Um, yeah, he just did such a nice job of asking her the right questions. And it's really a great post. So listeners, definitely head over to our blog, check it out when you can. Um, there's so many great resources. And just a reminder, we don't just offer tangible resources to help you navigate your military spouse life. We also provide insight and encouragement for your mill spouse heart. So now let's hear from our trifecta of mill spouse awesomeness. Here's me, Amy and Emma. We here at Mission Mill Spouse never doubt the strength of our military spouse tribe. Here is our director of empowerment with this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. This is Amy Fisher from your empowerment team bringing you this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Today, we are spotlighting our MRE team winner, which by the way, stands for Motivated and Ready to Empower. A huge congrats to our very own Katie Hinky, Deputy Director of Empowerment. Katie, originally from Michigan, is an elementary math teacher and sometimes soccer, track and field, and rowing coach. She has been married to her Army husband for 17 years and been along for the journey as a military spouse for 14 years. The Hinkies, who met at Kansas State, have five children, two energetic dogs, and can be often found at a scout event of some kind or on the soccer and softball fields. They have been stationed at Fort Benning, Fort Bragg, Fort Leavenworth, Nellis Air Force Base, Eglin Air Force Base, and are currently at Fort Eisenhower. They still have that bin of cords that can never be parted with and a box of pictures that couldn't properly fit on any walls in their current house. She has enjoyed volunteering at various duty stations by being a part of and leading various FRGs, FFs, SFRG groups, and volunteering as a neighborhood mayor. In her spare time, Katie loves to read, travel, explore new hiking trails with the kids, try new food, and plan house projects. Katie, we thank you for your service in honoring our mission and for doing your part to empower families around the world. Until next time, I'm Amy, reminding you that empowered spouses empower spouses. Unlike our calendar plans, our commitment to serve military spouses is written in ink. Now continuing our 18-year legacy is Mission Mill Spouse Deputy Director of Empowerment with this week's Moxie Minute. Hey there, Mission Mill Spouse friends. This is Amy Fisher, back with your Moxie Minute today, and I just want to share a snippet of someone's real life, a fellow military spouse. I've asked her for permission to share do you guys ever have that friend that will just post something from their day and it's hilarious and you find yourself spitting your coffee out or laughing out loud so badly that your neighbors or whoever thinks you're crazy? No? Anyone? Oh, come on. Okay, fine. This friend of mine, we go way back, like Fort Polk, Louisiana, probably 16 years ago, and she's just got an amazing energy awesome facial expressions and all the stories that she tells. So I can just picture her face when she puts a Facebook post out there. And anybody remember that old TV show? Well, not that old, but serious way back. It was called like Caroline in the city. And the girl would do a cartoon version of herself for the paper. I just feel like I can see my friend Teresa Easton in a cartoon version in what she calls her hot mom minivan running around in her daily life with her three kids. So I'm going to share one of her posts that she said I could share. 
And at the time she was stationed at Fort Hunter Liggett. I think I'm saying that correctly out in California. And you've got to know though, she does not have the Southern accent that I do. So it comes out a little different, but still, I hope that you guys find the humor in it that I do. And here we go. It was 108 degrees yesterday. I usually roll my windows down simultaneously with the AC cranked as high as the good Lord and Honda will allow. I came to a four-way stop right before exiting the gate of the cantonment area. There was an entire convoy stopped to my direct left. They were there first, so I waited for them to go. The front vehicle waved me through, bless them. Before I could give it some gas to start moving, a soldier pops up out of the top of the roof from two vehicles back and roars, Just follow that bleeping minivan! And follow me they did. All 10 to 15 military vehicles. Now, I have never led a military convoy from my hot mom minivan before. I didn't get paid for my skills yesterday, and that's okay. I have a volunteer's heart. For about five miles outside of the cantonment area before we parted ways, I totally crushed it. I am now adding natural-born line leader to my resume. Okay, I tried to keep the straight face while reading that, but I can just picture that happening and being too funny. Teresa, thank you for sharing that moment of your day. You are just one of the ladies in my life that exemplifies Moxie. And spouses, having a laugh, we need to once in a while. This is what it's all about in our Mila spouse lifestyle. Am I right? So if anybody has another story to share, I would love to hear it. Hit us up at the Empowerment Team at all the places, Facebook, Instagram, the blog, you know where. We'd love to hear from you. And until next week, spouses, you know you rock. Moxie up. No news is typically good news in this military life, except on the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Here is our News 6 correspondent with this week's top stories. Howdy, y'all, and buckle up for this week's News 6 Roundup. Donut delivery truck gets a very big surprise. Joint Base Elmerdorf Richardson, JBER in Alaska, is known for its majestic wildlife neighbors, but recently it got a little too close. A Krispy Kreme truck was parked outside of an on-post express when it received an unlikely visitor, a mama bear and her cub. She was happy because she'd been looking for garbage. Shelly Dino, the manager of the store at the base said of the mama bear. Dino heard noises in the back of the truck and knowing that the bears were frequent garbage customers they express, went to confirm if her suspicions were correct. I said, he's in the van. And then the little cub followed and went inside the van and they just started eating the donuts, Dino said. You could hear them breaking open the packages. We were trying to beat on the van, but they just kept eating all the donuts, she said. They ate 20 packages of the donut holes, and I believe six packages of the three-pack chocolate donuts. Eventually, the staff were able to spook off the bears with sirens. We're happy Mama Bear and Baby Bear found the donuts to be just right, and that Papa Bear didn't decide to join the party as well. Find out more at ktuu.com. New online tool takes aim at gun safety for military families. The Safe is Strong project, launched this summer, focuses on military families keeping toddlers and infants safe, with a focus on gun safety, but also poison and medication safety and drowning prevention, among others. We know that more than 40% of children in active duty families are under the age of 6, 
and 75% are under the age of 12, said Dr. Stephen Koza at the annual summit of the Military Child Education Coalition. Young parents may have limited community resources, less mature partner relationships, limited knowledge about child development, and misconceptions about children's motivations and behaviors, such as their curiosity, said Koza, a retired Army colonel and psychiatrist who is the associate director of the Child and Family Program at the Center for the Study of Traumatic Stress. We really need to be focused on access to firearms, Koza said. He cited a study of soldiers in the U.S. which found that 57% of soldiers with children own firearms. And of those owning firearms with children under the age 18 in the house, 20%, that's one of five troops, had at least one firearm loaded and unlocked in the house. The six main areas addressed in the project are home safety practices, home physical environment, safe parenting practices, healthy parenting, parental mental health, and access to resources. In developing the site, we relied heavily on resources made available by professional pediatric organizations and government agencies, said Christine M. Ogle, a child research psychologist at the center. Our intention was to strengthen the credibility of the site by relying on those trusted messengers. They're also collecting feedback from those who use the site. To find out more, head to safeisstrong.net. Navy Search and Rescue Saves Hikers Twice on the Same Day Hailing from Naval Air Station Whidbey Island, Washington, a team of Navy heroes saved two separate hikers from the Alpine Lakes Wilderness on the same day. The first one was a woman who became ill at an elevation of 3,200 feet. The SAR crew inserted two medical technicians about 100 yards from the hiking party's location, then landed to conserve fuel, the Navy said in a news release. Upon reaching the patient, the rescue personnel assessed and prepared the ailing victim to receive fluids. Then they went on to rescue a 65-year-old man who suffered a head injury on the trail. After finding a suitable location to minimize any rotor downwash during the rescue, the SAR team inserted two rescue personnel about 200 yards away from the injured hiker, the Navy said in a, in a release. The injured man and rescue team were hoisted aboard the SAR aircraft about 8.40 p.m. that evening and flew directly to Harborview, where they landed about half an hour later. These two missions rounded up the total year tally to 28 for the Whidbey crew. Keep up the good work, team. But just a memo to me to stick to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to. Today in history. On September 25, 1981, Sandra Day O'Connor was sworn in as the first female justice on the Supreme Court. Nominated by President Ronald Reagan, she was considered a moderate conservative. Preceding her Supreme Court appointment, she was a judge in Arizona and was the first female majority leader of, of a state Senate as a Republican leader in the Arizona Senate. She announced her retirement in 2005, and her chair went to Samuel Alito. After retirement, she didn't slow down and became Chancellor of the University William & Mary. Happy swearing-in day, Sandra, and thanks for breaking yet another glass ceiling for women everywhere. That's it for me. I'm Annie Pierce, standing in for Emma T. with New Six, signing out.
Love hearing from those ladies each week, celebrating our fellow military spouses, offering the words we need to so desperately hear, and of course, keeping us informed with uplifting military life news. Thanks, ladies. Now let's take a quick 45-second break, and we'll be right back. Here at Mission Mill Spouse, military spouses are our primary focus. We have more than 2,600 blogs with topics including PCS, parenting, career guidance, humor, deployment, and more. Whether you're dating a service member, have just said I do as a new spouse, or are a seasoned spouse with a whole collection of PCS stickers on your furniture, we have something for you. But hey, don't just take our word for it. I'm Lindsay, and when my husband joined the military, I was completely lost when it came to assimilating to military life and culture. This organization made me feel like I had support, a new community I could lean on, and equipped me with invaluable information about military spouse life. Tap into all of our empowering resources at missionmillspouse.org or follow us across all social media platforms at Mission Millspouse. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gents. As we prepare to sign off, Remember to catch our mini casts that drop on Thursdays and gear up for our next full-length episode when we chat with Julie Moser about Pink Warrior Angels. We're counting down the minutes until we meet up with you here again. If you'd like to become a podcast partner, consider donating to Mission Mill Spouse on our website by clicking that magical donate button. All contributions are tax-deductible and go directly toward empowering military spouses with resources and support. As the longest-running military spouse empowerment organization, your investment is a great one. And one last note, to stay in the know with all things Mission Mill Spouse and receive access to exclusive giveaways and printables, subscribe on our website to our newsletter, The Sit Rep, which is a situation report for those new to this military life. We only send it twice a month on the first and third Fridays. So there's no cluttery spam threat here. Listeners, no matter where you're at on your military journey, newer, seasoned, active, guard, retired, or prior service, Army, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, Navy, or Space Force, always remember... We've been there. You're not alone. We've got your six. This has been such a pleasure, Amanda, hosting with you on one of your final episodes. And I cannot wait to see what you do in the future. And Mission Mill Spouse will always hug you, always in. This is your Mission Mill Spouse command team and forever friend, Amanda, signing out. Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice to catch episodes that drop every Monday and Thursdays each week. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or LinkedIn at Mission Mill Spouse. Snag some sweet freebies by signing up for our newsletter, The Sit Rep. And finally, if you'd like to join us on our mission to serve military spouses, Consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website or email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Mission Mill Spouse, empowering you to navigate this military life since 2005.